Alright, hello everybody and welcome to the 34th episode of the GAM podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Andrew Brown, a frozen and ice platinum pro. With me today are two very platinum, I'll repeat, platinum professional magic players, Jerry Thompson and Michael Majors. We had an excellent weekend. If any of you are keeping up with the times, our good friend here, Jerry, won the Pro Tour and our other friend, Michael, got 16th at the Pro Tour. And I was there, and I was watching, and it was a pretty good day at the office, gentlemen. So maybe maybe you want to explain to people how and why you're here. Right. So, you know, normally, you know, since I'm in R&D now, I'm not allowed to make a bunch of content. But today, I'm just, I'm just the dude asking the questions. I'm not giving any advice. I'm not give, giving out any information. I'm just really happy to ask my, my two good friends a bunch of questions about their excellent weekend. Word. All right. MC, MC away. All right, all right, all right. So, so Jerry, you are the Pro Tour champion. Is this, is this correct? Yes. Okay. Correct. Cool. Yeah. yeah that, all right. That did happen. All right. Great. 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 So, first off, I just want to like see how you're feeling, man, because this, this is a pretty big thing. This is this is not something that happens every day. There's only like four of these a year or something. So, first and foremost, has it sunk in? Do you know that you're the Pro Tour champion right now? Not really. It's kind of weird. So, part of it is the fact that I was sort of out of it, starting from like late during day two like following through onto sunday and stuff so for me it's like if i've been up for like 48 hours or whatever it's like the day just becomes kind of a haze and a certain thing will happen that will like kind of like spark some memory or something and then and then i'll realize it and then it'll kind of just like hit me all over again so yeah it's it's not a thing that i'm used to all right so speaking of like sleeping i remember i did not sleep very well like leading into my top eight matches how did you do for this time around uh, this time around was okay-ish. Basically, I went back to the Airbnb that we were staying at, and some people were going to come over and, and test matchups and stuff, and I was feeling pretty bad. I had, like, a really bad headache. On the way back, I ordered pizza, and while I was waiting for that, I went and threw up, and then the pizza <laughs> came. I had a slice of pizza, which for me is not a lot, and normally I would have, like, four or five or something, but it was like I could only get down the one slice, and then I threw up again. And then I just went to bed. I was like, I can't handle this. So thankfully, I, I slept pretty well and then woke up a little bit early, like at 6 a.m., just kind of naturally. And there were some notes waiting for me from Raptor. And even still, I have no idea, like, who he played with, how many games he played or whatever. But the notes were very good, very helpful and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was pretty well rested, but I was up a little bit earlier than I would have liked. And then for Montreal, I, th- I think I just slept. Like, I think it was just pretty good. Okay. Second of all, now you're the Pro Tour champion, you're platinum, you get to play in Worlds. So many things get piled onto you. Like, how does this change your life moving forward? I would expect that it changes it by a decent amount. My my day-to-day stuff certainly doesn't change, and my immediate plans don't really change. But yeah, I mean, going forward, like, playing in Worlds is a huge deal. Being platinum, like, I've never been here before, so I don't know. It's like, man, I get free hotels and stuff. That's got to be nice, and... The money's nice. I imagine I'm going to get, like, more feature matches and, like, sign more things and all this kind of, like, weird, crazy stuff. And it's all these things that are a result of this thing that happened that I still don't even feel like is real. I don't know. I I do feel like my life is going to change. All right. Well, let me inform you that it is real. You did win the Pro Tour. Hashtag (laughs) Watsy Staff. 
<laughs> I don't know. Cho keeps telling me that I'm going to wake up from my coma soon. So, <laughs> what a great friend. <laughs> uh, he he is he is the best friend for sure. All right. So, I mean, you mentioned how like your life is going to change. I know like one of my goals always was like, man, I just want to I just want to win the pro tour. I want to be like the best player ever. You've done that now. So, like what's next? Like what what are your aspirations? What are your goals moving forward? Well, I won the PT, but I definitely did not demonstrate that I was the best player ever, you know? So there's <laughs> there's that whole thing. It was it, it did not go down how I thought it was going to when I envisioned like this sort of moment happening, right? Goal is just like after I top eighted the first Pro Tour, it was kind of similar to when I top eighted my first Grand Prix where it's like, okay, this is good, you know, like I, I proved or whatever this certain sort of thing, but like now I just w- I want to do it again to make sure that like people know it's not a fluke or whatever. I don't know. I'm kind of in this weird spot where it's like I, I made this big accomplishment, but it doesn't temper what I'm doing. It like makes me want to go harder. All right, like uh, what do you mean like go harder? Are you going to like go to more things, like do more content, do more everything? I'm, I'm going to like play the Pro Tours and probably try a lot harder than I have been and just try and replicate those results. So are you saying that you didn't even try for this Pro Tour? No, I did for sure, but like I, I don't think I brought my A game. I, th- I think it was like very much a happy accident that I won. Well, let me be the first to say I don't think it was a happy accident, and I totally think you deserved to win. And you're great. That's why. I appreciate it, man. You're great too. Majors, any input on that? I agree. Jerry's great. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. That, yeah. <laughs> all right. I guess that wraps up the whole like emotional side. Let's like kind of get into the nitty gritty because this is a hyper-competitive podcast for spikes. Am I right? Yeah, nothing has changed since you've been gone. All right, let's get into testing. Like, first things first, Jerry, Majors, what did you guys do right this time? So I guess I've been doing, like, the whole meetup with a team of some capacity and playtest a bunch of magic and preparation for the Pro Tour for two years now, something like that. In the past, I've just, like, grinded hard, played magic, like, 10 to 12 hours a day for... A week maybe even two weeks leading up to the pro tour and for this one i kind of just like didn't play much magic at all i mostly just like birded people in the past we played tons and tons of paper magic and like maybe even a bunch of paper drafts and this time it was kind of just like some dudes on moto and other people birding them and so i was kind of just the one birding and i did maybe like five live drafts i don't know if like i'm just more receptive to that learning style or it's just like easier for me to not get burnt out just physically playing so many games of magic per day leading up to the event but I don't know. I, I enjoyed myself more and just felt more calm, I guess, or better about the Pro Tour in general. Okay, so you ended up playing Teamer Aetherworks Marvel, right? Yep, with uh, Chandra Flamecaller. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a really cool choice for the tournament. How did you guys like kind of end on that end on that version? It was basically like we stumbled upon the fact. Well, like, this is like we basically found out Zombies was a real deck. People were like, eh, "We think Zombies is a joke. We're just gonna ignore it." I built it anyways, like, okay, shit, this deck's actually good. So it entered, like, our rotation. Uh, One of our teammates was basically playing it on Moto 24-7 the entire time that we were testing. And then eventually we were just kind of, like, looking through cards and was like, wow, Chandra Flamecaller seems really good against zombies. I'm going to try it in my sideboard plans. Turns out it was very good. And then right after Grand Prix Richmond, I was driving us back home and Martin Mueller was in my car. And we kind of just, like, brainstormed out the deck minus, you know, six to ten cards off what he ended up top hitting with and you played the exact same 75 as him yep uh, i believe six of us played the deck four of us played the same 75 all right cool what were the deviations that the other players had uh seth and lucas had a four mana chandra over a six mana chandra it's so like a three one split 
and a slightly different sideboard. So like what was your, if you were to go back and do it again, like what would you change out of your deck? I honestly think given the information that I had at the time, I'm pretty comfortable registering the same deck. I think it was pretty odd that like blue control didn't show up in any capacity because I kind of pegged it as like one of the four decks that would show up. So we had some Sphinx of the Final Words in our sideboard, which we thought gave us like the best chance per slot economy, for I guess for lack of a better way of putting it. I think only one of us played against blue control in, in, in the entirety of our roster. So <laughs> I, would, I would definitely cut those and maybe just, <laughs> I don't know, maybe like one more Sweltering Suns to try to, you know, for sure shore up the Zombies matchup and maybe one more card for the mirror. But I think our main deck was like very, very good. All right, Jerry, what did you guys do right this time? Uh, I think it was kind of the same as majors. Like we we identified that zombies was actually real, as opposed to just like, hey, it's it's a bunch of grizzly bears and basic lands, and like this is like the level zero deck that like yeah you're gonna have to play against it twice, but it's like really not that good. Just like people that are underprepared are gonna end up playing it or whatever. And then the more we played against it, like we just started losing and losing and losing, and it was like okay, like maybe maybe we should just be on this because it does seem like a deck that people just aren't going to respect. It's, it's kind of nice, you know, like, you, you just go into the tournament and maybe people put, like, an extra card in their sideboard to, to shore up your matchup or whatever, but it, it really doesn't change that much. Like, Zombies is this aggressive deck, but it also, it can draw cards, it can go long with you, like, it has a lot of cards that scale pretty well, like Diagraph Colossus, Dark Salvation, Liliana's Mastery, and, like, Westvale Abbey can, like, close out some, some pretty late games, too, so... Yeah, I think the deck was just fairly underrated and still looked pretty good. And, I don't know, it just kind of naturally matched up pretty well against things like Marvel and Mardu and the control deck. So it was like, yeah, we're going to do this. So I think being able to identify that uh, was pretty important. I feel like a lot of the teams that like played some of the versions of Marvel that they did, like they did not respect it enough. That was probably their downfall to some degree. I don't know. I, I like basically doing things the way that Majors described, where instead of, like, playing a bunch, I just bird a bunch, because I can still, like, intake that information a decent amount, and, yeah, just not get burned out and stuff like that, so I'm also pretty comfortable just, like, jamming leagues, mostly by myself, and then, like, reporting back to people, like, what I've learned. Then occasionally there'll be a thing where it's, like, I need to test this sideboard plan, like, this specific thing, and then I'll, like, find someone who can actually, like, play a matchup with me. But, like, most of the time, it's just, like, I want to play or watch a bunch of different games with different decks and just try and learn as much as possible. Just watching, like, three people play Magic Online at the same time or whatever is the the fastest way to do that, I think. Like, I know for me, I would be super hesitant if I were back on the outside to, like, register, like, the level one deck or level one, level zero, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah. What was the tipping point when you were like, I, I respect this deck and I should just play it? Because of the fact that, like, no one else respected it, including people on our team. It just got to a point where it was like, oh, yeah, but it's just zombies. You know, it's it's not it's not like a real thing. It's not a big deal. Like, we're going to play against it a couple times, but it's not good. And then we just, like, kept losing, kept losing. And it's at some point, it's just like, maybe this is real, you know? Like, maybe we should actually play with this. And, yeah, the, the fact that we didn't respect it, and it's it seemed like not a lot of other people would, too. And then, yeah, it's like level zero, level one, but if you don't respect it, it's basically level two, you know? Because if if they don't actually put in the work to try and beat you, then then you're better than level one. So, so obviously, like, the narrative of the tournament is that Mardu going in is, like, the expected best deck. And then at some point during the tournament, during coverage, like, Marvel is the bad guy because as is very splashy, I kill you on turn four by, you know, just hitting my Ulamog. 
and to some degree that can be very frustrating to play against and it's very easy to root against but like i think the reality of the situation is that zombies is just the best deck by a wide margin right now and like i think only we had a good matchup against it in the entire field yeah i agree no, I was I was scared to death of, of Chandra Six. The two matches I lost to Marvel involved they were both people on Team Eureka and they had one Chandra Flame Caller in their sideboard, and I just lost to it twice. And it's like I can't imagine playing that matchup where you have access to three or four. Like it just seems kind of kinda of like a joke. Given that you guys like changed up your strategy from normal, it's just to like go to more of like a observant kind of like information gathering strategy. Like you did that right. So what did you do wrong in testing? Like, if you could go back and, like, think about things differently, what would you have done instead? For me, it's kind of just classic, like, working on this imperfect process because it's so difficult to organize 11 people in a small space to do things, you know, in an efficient manner. I think overall, our, our like, organization level was quite bad. But, I mean, just to be frank, we, we killed it. I think we had the best result by, by far of any team other than, like, Misashi putting in actual two members in the top eight. Like, I think that the, the people who really worked hard on limited our team, they worked their asses off, they did a ton of drafts, and they did a good job of spreading that information to the rest of the team. So, you know, props to them. Uh, my experience was kind of similar, where it was a lot of work by Sam Black and Martin Juza. They they both, like, posted all their drafts, talked about a lot of stuff, like, were very quick to change their opinions when they realized they were wrong, which is just an incredible asset to have. Like, our, our limited meetings were just phenomenal and so helpful. And maybe it's a, a partly because, like, Magic Online was out a week early. But, like, a week before the Pro Tour, I could have played in the Pro Tour and felt fine. And then the last week was basically just, like, everyone is doing all these drafts. And they basically already know the format, which I don't think has, like, ever happened. It always seems like there's someone, like, struggling in limited or, like, you're still figuring things out as you go or whatever. But it was just, like, all week. We are just like, okay, red-white's the nut, like, this is how you beat it, okay, you can, like, sub in things for red in your white decks, but white is definitely the best color, and then, like, okay, like, here are just, like, all these nutty blue-red decks that people keep figuring out how to slide into at the right times and stuff, and, no, I think just everyone did a very good job of figuring out the format, identifying, like, what cards were super important, and, like, also just how to beat those popular decks and stuff. So, like, Limited, I think my my team just killed it as far as, like, figuring out what was good and, and, yeah, disseminating that information to everyone else. And Constructed was kind of a little awkward because, yeah, we, we weren't organized. I think in Dublin we had kind of end-of-the-day team meetings. That was sort of, like, organized by me because there were people back in the States, like Pat Cox, who just, like, every day were like, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Like, I know you guys are playing games, but you're not reporting on it. So, like, I took it upon myself to, like, at the end of the day, kind of just, like, poll people, like, where are you leaning? Like, what are you thinking? Like, where is your head at, you know? For Nashville, we didn't really do that because most of the people were there already, and the people that weren't there weren't necessarily asking for that information so it's just kind of like oh everyone's everyone's okay but without those meetings and and finding out like where everyone's head was at constantly it just kind of became sort of a shit show like tuesday wednesday thursday where like all these people were doing all these different things and i don't know i was just like surprised whenever someone would give me an indicator of like what deck they were thinking about playing or whatever because i just had no idea so there, there are things like that that I think we could be doing a lot better. And if we did that, I think we would have been on zombies like a little bit quicker than like 
Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. And I think people would have moved over a little bit quicker and we would have had time to just like develop sideboard plans and stuff. Like, I think we got a lot of stuff right, but I played a slightly different deck than Raptor and I had different sideboard plans than Raptor. And whenever someone asked me like, you know, hey, like what what sideboard are we playing? And I was like, I don't know. I'm doing different stuff than Raptor, but I think you should listen to him because like he's smarter. He's better than me. Cho was the only one that played my 75 and like... You know, we talked about sideboarding and stuff, and we were basically on the, the same plans. And basically, we kept in Metallic Mimic a lot more often than Raptor wanted to, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense because it's sort of a mopey card. It's like, it's Goblin Piker, you know, it's it's not super great a lot of the time. So yeah, he just wanted to cut it every chance he could, but I was just like, no, like, you can't miss your two-drop against a lot of these decks, and I don't want to remove the pressure element from my deck because I think it makes just the deck a lot weaker as a whole. So, yeah, he was kind of trying to become more of a control deck, and I was trying to always stay a beatdown deck. And that was kind of where we diverged. And Cho and I both did pretty well. Like, Cho finished uh, 25th, and he started 7-1 after day one and everything. And uh, yeah, did, You started 7-1 too, right? No, I was 6-2. Okay, so you went 2-1-4-1? Yep. So I remember on Thursday, like, when you went to the site, and I, I was talking to you, and I pulled you aside because I want to know what deck you were playing, and I asked you, like, oh, so so what are you playing? Like, we're in this corner hole of the hall, and you're like, all right, I think I broke it. It's a 5-0 moto deck. <laughs> yeah, 5-0 moto deck, Watsy Precon, whatever you want to call it. Right, so, like, a point I want to get to is, like, you, you guys mentioned earlier how, like, the release of Magic Online earlier really changed a lot like what what are, what are the biggest things that affected this pro tour due to the fact that magic online was released earlier it kind of hurt at least my process because you guys did the the bnr announcement and then you did like the e-ban of felidar guardian and then there was the open like three days later and a lot of people didn't have time to test and prepare for it so there was just a lot of mardu and not a lot of cool new stuff and then after that open SCG was running GP Richmond, so there wasn't, like... Normally, there's two opens before a Pro Tour, right? Mm -hmm. So you get, like, a double dose of data, but, like, I think Atlanta was just kind of poisoned because the results weren't true, because people just didn't have time to actually work on stuff. So it was like, okay, that open's not relevant. We don't get another open. What else do we have? We have Magic Online data, and thankfully, it was out a week early, so there was actually enough information there to make decisions and like the the format was alive long enough to like actually have shifts and like have these decks pop up and like you know if Zo- if mono black zombies like 50 twice we probably wouldn't have even thought about it you know but the fact that it like had enough time to continually put up 50s and get refined a little bit that meant that it was something that was actually on our radar so how did it affect uh, your guys's process majors oh uh, just as an aside i think it's so funny when people ask me they're like yeah, what do you think about, like, the spell-heavy version of, of uh, Marvel? Like, do you think that list is better moving forward or whatever? And it's like, dude, those were the 5-0 lists from two weeks ago. Like, we played with those first. Right. Moto was, was definitely extremely influential on our process. And, yeah, it, I agree. It was it was kind of the thing that convinced me is, like, we, we have to proxy up zombies and just, like, see if this is real. And, you know, just because most of our guys were just playing on moto constantly we kind of got to experience the moto metagame as it had adapted um you know mardu being very popular the first week to zombies picking up tons of popularity and the the marvel decks getting refined and stuff so uh and also also just the fact that it, like it forced us to not be lazy and just like play with sideboards like that was great uh it's usually like a huge problem in testing it's like 
even before everyone met and got into the house, like my, to be fair, pretty gimmicky decks like had cohesive sideboard plans. So it's it's something that you had to visualize for the format. Yeah, that aspect is huge. I only got to play two leagues with zombies, one super late Wednesday night and then one on Wednesday. Yeah, I didn't get to refine the sideboard plans as much as I'd wanted because we got on it kind of late. Let's uh, let's get off the subject of testing and uh, just like get into the meat of the tournament. First part of every pro tour is always limited, and you guys both killed it. Like, you guys both went five and one. And I know Michael, you lost playing for the six zero. And like Jerry, I watched a lot of your limited matches for the second half, and you played really well. Like, just like tell me how you guys were so prepared and so on top of it. Well, it's, it's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. I kind of just got lucky. Lucky's not the right word, but it, it all kind of just fell in my lap. So Chris Larson, who is uh, one of our dudes, came into the States early and kind of just ended up sleeping on my couch for like four days. And during that four-day time period, he had a friendly competition with Martin Dang about who could earn the most Magic Online trophies. So needless to say, all we did basically was some combination of drafting and maybe a little bit of going out but I, I think he did somewhere around 70 drafts in the span of a week and I probably watched 25 to 30 of them so kind of what, what Jerry was alluding to with like Sam and Matt you know slowly changing how they evaluate the format and what they think is good or bad I got to see Chris's internal process kind of see what was working out for him and then obviously you know we were discussing the picks and you know, I was watching his games, and eventually after Felder Guardian got banned, I started playing Constructed, and so we were, you know, working together just, like, laptop to laptop, and we just played, like, a lot of Magic and, you know, talked a lot about how the matches were going, and, I mean, it was a great learning experience. Nice. Battleshipping? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of, kind of the same deal for me. I did a lot of drafts, and then I also ate out a Mox the weekend of GP Richmond, so that gave me just a bunch of liquidity for magic online so then i was just like rapid firing drafts and just like dropping from them so that certainly helped because otherwise i don't think i would have like put money on magic online or anything and probably would have finished out my leagues and stuff so i got to do like more actual drafts and Mm. once it got time to like not have to play the games because like i kind of knew how the games played out it was pretty helpful for that no, limited limited is cool. I like I like this format. I do think it's weird where the last few sets have been fairly high in, in synergy and like that's been pretty important in this format. It's like you know, there's some synergy, but it's you're not really drafting like these gimmicky decks, but at the same time, like every deck kind of like needs these important pieces. It's not really synergy, but it's just like what you want your decks to actually contain in these archetypes. You know, red white, you can do like a 15 land heavy one drop version or like a 16 land like slightly higher card quality like not as scrappy and you're definitely looking for very specific things so it kind of feels like fairly similar to the synergy formats in that regard but yeah I, i like the fact that like there's this baseline aggression of the format that you need to answer and it's like you can either do that and do it well or you can be the person who's trying to answer that and then your your blue red deck needs like two ancient crabs or whatever like that sort of thing it's like those those things just become really important yeah i I enjoyed that that basically all the archetypes are are pre-cons and identifying how to build them was really important in particular some some archetypes are much more reliant on like their uncommons and rares so kind of figuring out how like you need to build the decks ideally and uh sort of positioning yourself to do so and not just prioritizing you know two drops or three drops or whatever your your is missing in your curve but actually trying to find specific uh, types of effects was really important besides limited you know both of you guys did really well in constructed right jerry you went eight and two seven two one seven two one and majors you went 
seven three or we'll no, six went... four. Oh, six four. Oh, so just okay. Yeah. So like what were the what were the coolest moments, the non coolest top eight moments for you, Jerry? Oh, I don't know. I, I was very, very <laughs> good at peeling Dark Salvation on like turn six. It was just a blur. No, it, just like all the games kind of played out the same way. There wasn't like anything super sick that happened. The the times I lost to Chandra were like pretty disappointing. Like it's just always an exciting moment when they're like activating Marvel, right? For better or for worse. Sure. So I don't know. That was that was kind of it. That was like Marvel was both like the highs and the lows where spin it, brick, and it's like, ooh, I win. And then, you know, <laughs> spin it, hit. It lurk, or hit a Chandra where I'm like, oh, I can beat Ulamog, you know? And it's like, oh, one outer Chandra, what's up? Yeah, yeah I don't know if I would say exciting, but there is certainly a high level of tension. Yeah, it's a sweat, you know? And I, I love the sweat. I never want to, like, complete my hand, you know? I just want to turn a flush draw. Like, that's all That's all I want. <laughs> so so Marvel's, like, actually pretty fun for me. I, I don't think it's good. I think it, you know, should just not exist or whatever. But yeah, it was exciting for me. All right, Majors, you... I remember I watched a pretty sick game where, like, uh, you got, like, transgressed and, like, you had three lands in your hand, nothing going on. And then I, like, walk away and then I'm, like, two minutes later I see you just, like, winning with two Whirler Virtuosos and, like, seven Thopter tokens. What happened in that game? Oh, yeah, that was game two against Calcano. That was that was a weird match. I don't know if frustrating is the right word, but I just, like, never drew Marvel in three games. And, like, he kind of just, like, beat me because I just didn't function, I guess. Like... Which can happen, but even though it's pretty rare. Um, no fail rate on Grizzly Bears, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, like, sure. I, I, I get it. But Chandra was supposed to help with that, obviously. But uh, that game was cool. There's there's a definitely three or four games throughout the tournament where, like, at some point I just, like, identified. I was like, all right, well, I guess I just got to, like, make three Thopters and just, like, try to close it out and use my Nourish that makes a 1-1 a one, one flyer to slowly <laughs> win this race. And, and honestly, I think it worked every single time that I took that line, which is pretty weird. Yeah, I definitely love seeing just, like, the plan B, like, bench guys come in and take the game over. First of all, I think Whirler Virtuoso is, like, really underrated. And you can see that in a lot of the, even, like, the top performing lists. Like, people had cut down to, like, maybe, like, two copies. I do think it's really important, especially because, like, Dispossess is kind of prevalent in Zombies just to have this, like, plan B energy sink in your deck. So I think that, like, the people that, like, cut down to two and maybe even, like, sideboard them out are probably wrong in some capacity. In addition to that, Whirler Virtuoso just, like, plays so flawlessly with Chandra Flamecaller. It's like these play patterns are, like, happen all the time where you just... Time walk your opponent with Whirler Virtuoso, you just jump block, protect your Chandra, zero your Chandra, get more energy or get Marvel, and then just like do it all over again until you just like grind them out. Going into the top eight, Jerry, like what were the what were the notes that like Raptor gave you? What were the things that you needed to figure out for the matchups? I was playing against Marvel first. This is one of the areas where our sideboard was certainly lacking, where we were trying to figure out, like, the best plan for them. It's like, well, do you play Transgress? Because it's good, but it's not great because it, it generally, like, takes up your entire turn. Is it better to maybe play something like Dispossess? If you're going to play Dispossess, is like, Lost Legacy better because sometimes you can beat Marvel. But, like, maybe you want to just get Ulamog out of their deck because, like, that's that's the biggest problem. And, like, some of the decks are set up so that they can hardcast it. And there are things like new perspectives to worry about where it's like, oh, well, maybe you want this card that's not just dispossessed against other decks. I ended up with two Lost Legacies and two Transgresses, and then Raptor was testing my top eight matchup, and he was just like, okay, only board in Lost Legacy on the draw. And then that was crossed out. And then it was like, (laughs) 
in all capitals, do not bring this in under any circumstances. Like, his deck <laughs> is set up in such a way where he can just grind you out with Marvel even once you take out his Ulamog. So it's just like, I was basically just swapping Transgress for Fatal Push against them, and that was kind of what we decided. And if that's the case, then, you know, why do I have these Lost Legacies, and, like, why aren't I able to board in more cards and all this stuff? So it was like, yeah, my sideboard was not great. It was certainly not perfect. Had to had to just rely on my deck doing its thing and maybe their fail rate happening a little bit, but that was basically it for, like, the my top eight match, and then my top four match was the winner of Ken Yukihiro versus Efro. Mm-hmm. Ken, Ken ended up winning, but, like, the notes against Efro were kind of the same, where it's like, you know, he's probably going to sideboard this way, and, like, this is kind of how you want to approach things, and blah, blah, blah. And then the Ken thing was just, like, he's Dobbs. <laughs> the matchup's just that bad. Okay, so I flew into Cho's on Wednesday, and then played GB Richmond, flew to Nashville on Monday, and then the PT was that Friday, right? So for the first few days at Cho's, I'm like playing with these energy decks, and I'm thinking about what deck he should play, and I was just like, you know, I think you should play green-black energy, because it's this mid-rangey beatdown deck that has like, you know, some card advantage, some tricks, it has like a lot of big creatures which kind of line up well against the removal in the format, either from blue-red control or from Marvel, where it's like you have this green belt rampager that like can't be sprayed. It's really tough to get harness lightninged in. Uh, the energy deck was one of the few decks where if they don't Ulamog you on four, you might have a big enough board that like you can just go wide around it if if they don't hit it until like turn five or turn six. So it was like okay, like maybe we'll maybe we'll just play this. I don't know. And then when we played the zombies matchup, it was like oh man, they just have you dominated. They're doing the exact same thing, but they're way better at it, way more consistent. They have better removal. Rampager is bigger in, like, the first three turns or whatever, but, like, going from, like, turn five, six, seven or whatever, they just annihilate you. Cho was like, I don't know, like, I don't think the matchup's that bad, and I was like, let's play. And this is one of the specific times where we sat down to play a matchup, and it was like, I went, like, 5-1 or 6-1 with him with zombies, and he's like, huh... Let's let's switch, you know? Like, maybe <laughs> maybe I'm dumb, and I'm just, like, not playing this black-green deck very well. So then I start playing from, from that side, and I just got annihilated, too. And he's just like, oh, man, Zombies feels great, you know? And then we were just kind of all about it. So we, we almost played green-black energy, and we, we knew the matchup. And granted, Ken's deck is a little different, both for better and for worse, where, like, he has Bone Picker and Heart of Kirin, which we didn't have. So Flyers are, are problematic, for sure. But basically the only way they were winning is if they stuck, like, Winding Constrictor plus Walking Ballista, and sometimes, like, Ballista plus Gear Hulk. Most of the time, Ballista's not very good, you know, if if they have to kill a Crypt Breaker with it, like, you are, you're definitely getting the better end of that exchange. Yeah. So, they just can't really do anything, and, like, Pierre Dijon had, like, Yehenny's expertise and, and some other stuff in his sideboard, so... I think he was more prepared than Ken was. Ken just had, like, a grasp of darkness in his sideboard, and it was like, yeah, come on. You know, that's not going to do it. Yeah, uh, although it was really cool to see that, like, he was the only person in the tournament who registered Bone Picker, and it was, like, it was great for him. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that card came out, and people were like, oh, man, how do we how do we utilize this thing, right? And no one thought to put it in that deck except for him. And then it's like, once you have this thing, it's like, oh, Heart of Kieran looks pretty good. So I, I think his deck was really good. He obviously did well with it, but, like, going forward, it's probably not going to be a deck. But, yeah, like, if he had access to that deck, like, last tournament, for example, like, you know, he, he could have won the tournament, potentially. But, yeah, it just it ended up being where, you know, Zombies was huge. His deck did not have a good matchup, and that was it. You talked to us about the quarters, quarters and the semis. Let's go to the finals. Just talk about your match against Yuya. Dude, he's, he's the end boss. I don't know. I know, man. I... Man, I would have been so, so scared. 
I was just like, no, this is this is like a good way for for my story to end, right? It's like Yuya deserves this. Like he's been in the hunt for a trophy for a long time, and it's like it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when for him, for when he's going to win a pro tour. And I was just like, yeah, maybe I'm just like the stepping stone, and that's that's cool, and that's fine. But like, you know, my matchup's not bad. Like he, he's on the the slower version of Marvel. He doesn't have a lot a lot of great sweepers or anything. So like, I think I'm a slight favorite, you know. And then in, in game one, he mulligans, keeps, doesn't play a second land, and I'm just like, not like this, you know? Like, yeah. is this how I want this to go down where he just, like, doesn't play lands? He just gets mana screwed, and it's like, I'm sure his hand is phenomenal, too. So it's like, it's even possible that he could just, like, hit his land next turn and just crush me. Yeah, I, I went up 2-0 real quick, and it was like, man, maybe I just smashed this dude, right? Like, maybe maybe this is how it goes, <laughs> and he just gets second again, I don't know. And then game three, I didn't have a third land, and he ulamog my lands, and it was just like, okay, okay, you know, that can certainly happen. <laughs> back to reality. Yep, back to reality. And then game four was was pretty nice. It was just kind of like this this slow-ish, like, grindy game, and it's, it's one of the fun games that I like with zombies, where you have that grinding capability, you know? It's like, I played out three things, including a Crypt Breaker. I, I felt like he had Radiant Flames, so I, I could have played a fourth thing, but chose not to. And mm-hmm. I missed my third land drop and, and got Radiant Flames and then, like, rebuilt, but was, like, still kind of treading water, you know? Because it's like, the more time you give them, it, it just gets exponentially worse for you, right? So you have to start putting them under a clock at some point, so... Yeah, for a while, it, it felt pretty bad for me, but then it was like, okay, I get to stick a couple 7-7 seven, seven Diagraph Colossuses, and he's got, like, these shielded Aether Thieves that he's kind of working a little bit, and it felt like, you know, the, the game was going oddly pretty well for me, despite kind of, like, my stumble and getting Radiant Flames and stuff, and certainly having Crypt Breaker active helped with that, where I just had a ton of stuff going on, same as him, you know, we're both just drawing a bunch of cards. I remember seeing that um, he didn't choose to uh, harness lightning your Crypt Breaker. Do you remember that, Michael? Yeah, let's just say it all went well enough to where I got out of my seat and walked up to closer to the stage with about four or five turns left in the game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I remember that part, that Crypt Breaker like, ended up putting in a lot of work. The game felt very strange because I wasn't exactly sure what was in both players' hands at all times, but uh, it seemed to me like Yuya kind of wanted you to not attack him early in the game and just kind of like try to play this longer game, but he wasn't able to find, you know, like marvels or glimmers or things that actually like play well in that pattern. And so like you actually got to like, you know, dig out of your screw, like develop your board like really well. And then eventually, like, he was kind of just, like, matching your card advantage engine with an Aether Thief, but you're also pressuring him at that point, so it kind of just all started to fall apart. I think his plan was probably, like, if I stick two lords, it means that, like, a lot of his outs are cut off, and as long as he, like, keeps the lord down, like, yeah, he's got he's got the Aether Thief and, like, some other stuff going on. If he can find, like, a Radiant Flames or whatever, he just resets me, you know? So as long as he keeps the lord off the table and keeps drawing cards, like, eventually he's just going to be able to, like, contain me but it, it just didn't come together for him. So I, I understand, like, why he did it. I don't think it was as blatant of a mistake as they made it out to be, and, like, they even just, like, kind of put him on blast on coverage and stuff. And it, Oh, it yeah, just... like, I, I don't think it was a mistake. Again, like, if you stick two lords, like, a lot of his game plan is, like, stymied to that point because he ended up using the Harness Lightning on your on your lord immediately when you played it, right? Right. It, it was a calculated decision. I don't know whether it was right or wrong. That's magic. That's why it's so great. I know. 
Yeah. It's like I your mean, decisions matter. It's weird. I mean, Yuya like chose to sink sink his mana on turn four, and that's really really important. Like when, when he chooses to do that, like clearly he has a plan. And he's Yuya, which means he's like excellent at magic. <laughs> All right, Pro Tour in the books. Jerry, you're the champion. Zombie wins. Zombies wins everything. Marvel does pretty well. Got some other stuff sprinkled in. Marjo doesn't show up. Where do we go from here? Let's say, are you guys playing in any events this weekend? I'm not. I'm 99% not to. Theoretically, if you guys were going to an event, uh, what would you guys leave up and like, what sort of changes would you make based on the metagame? I'd be fine just running back zombies, but realistically what I would want to do is just like work on Marvel and try and find a version that beats everything because I do think that capability exists. I think Chandra Flamecaller is certainly a step in the right direction, but you probably need a bigger nod toward mirror matches because that's kind of what it seemed like was the weakness with your guys' deck majors. Like, Yuya had, like, all the sensors and, like, main deck negate and dissenters deliverance and, and all that stuff, and it, it just seemed like he he worked Mueller. Yeah, I would I would start with a similar main deck to the one we played, uh, probably move away from Aether Meltdown because that was basically a direct nod to, like, Heart of Karen and Marty Vehicles. Uh, I would certainly consider, like, some Descenders Deliverances. If that becomes like the standard, then you're kind of just forced to play it, unfortunately. It just kind of becomes this weird feedback loop. But for the most part, I think our main deck was was really good. Maybe if you want to try to just like pound the mirror, you have to go up to four Ulamogs. It's not something I like to do. Um, I definitely, kind of alluding to what Jerry was talking about earlier, uh, when he was talking about sideboarding and, and Raptors configuration, like I definitely was like way lower on tracker than my teammates. I would like shave an Ulamog in a lot of spots that they wouldn't. Uh, it's just, you know, how I like to configure my decks, what makes sense to me. Obviously, get the, the Sphinxes out of the sideboard. I think we're actually not a huge dog in a mirror match, as long as people don't realize that they should be playing with Manglehorn and Confiscation Coop. Nobody played with those <laughs> cards, and they're just, like, super good. Yeah, I remember, like, Manglehorn doing a ton of work. Like, did you kill Clue? Oh, no, no, no. I remember you, like, tapped Hit my clue own Clue. Was... Right, you hit your own Clue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember yeah. on stream you, like... Uh, your opponent played a Thraben Inspector, and then you <laughs> tapped his clue. <laughs> I mean, that, that was just for the times, obviously. That's gas. I, I want to go back and watch some coverage, because I'm sure there were some pretty awesome matches, but busy playing and whatnot. And <laughs> pro-tour pro coverage is always the funnest thing, so it's like, yeah, Majors reaches over and taps his opponent's clue. It's like, I just want to see that. Yeah, that was a fantastic moment. So, like, besides the tech choices you mentioned earlier, like, what other, like, interesting cards can you guys see, like, breaking out because Zombies or Marvel is now prevalent? So the the day before the tournament, I was trying to like splash four Manglehorns and two Lifecrafters Bestiary into my zombie deck. Okay. In hindsight, I'm very glad that my teammates wouldn't let me. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, blue-red control didn't really show up and Bestiary would have been pretty bad. But like, I don't think the Manglehorn splash is that bad. I feel like that, that card might actually help zombies a decent amount in the matchup. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, you also don't necessarily really need it and... Having a creature land would help against Chandra because a lot of the times it's like come down, minus three, wipe your entire board, have this Planeswalker left over, but like their board is also just like Chandra nothing. Having some sort of creature land would be great or like a vehicle or something, but like I don't think there are any like great options. Uh, I think Sky Sovereign is a card that's worth trying. You can certainly go lower on like Gaunty and Scrap Heap Scrounger, just like the stuff that I had for blue-red control and... I'm sure there's a good mirror match plan and there's a better Marvel plan, like actually figuring out what amount of disruption is is correct like i don't know if it's four transgress or three transgress or maybe there's a different card i'm not sure but the decks can certainly be tuned a lot more than they were because my deck was not perfect sky sovereign sounds cool do you guys know the sky sovereign song <laughs> i i don't know i really don't do you want me to sing it i 
I'm not sure. Do we have a choice? Yeah, you have a choice. I mean, I, I, also the editor has them. a choice as well. I'm I'm morbidly curious. Jerry? Let's go, man. All right. Well, first, it starts out like, A sky sovereign, it hits the sky. ETB and bolt your guy. <laughs> That's it. That's the song. Is that like a parody of something? <laughs> that, is <Yes>. a par- <laughs> that is a parody yes, of, a, of a popular song. I, I don't know pop music all that well, so... <laughs> I'm pretty sure Michael got it since he laughed, or he might just be laughing at me, which is like also reasonable. Oh, it's both. <laughs> All right, it's back on topic. I, I was gonna uh, ask uh, Jerry, do you have any strong opinions about black white zombies in, the, in either direction? I, I think it's really silly. Like black white zombies is not about like tapping their blockers and getting in damage. It's not about nickel and diming like burning them out with wayward serpent. Relentless Dead is awesome. I don't know what what people are doing putting like six planes in their deck or whatever. The deck for me is just about playing a bunch of lords and pumping your team and just like invalidating a lot of the stuff that they're doing that way and using the removal to take out very, very specific things and not just like, you know, blowing on a thing for tempo and like beating them down or whatever. So yeah, like the, the splashes don't make a lot of sense to me. I do like the idea of a creature land, but I don't like the idea of an ETB tap land. So, like, my deck moved towards Grasp of Darkness and away from Fatal Push, mostly because of the Mirror Match, and I think that was, like, the biggest thing that I I did to the deck that actually made a difference. Once you realize that Grasp is very good, then having things like Planes in your deck is just not a great idea. Like, I had two Westvale Abbeys, and I just think that those should probably not be in the deck, too, because, I don't know, there are turns where you, like, want to play Grasp in a one-drop or, like, Grasp in a Relentless Dead or whatever, and it's just, like, you just want all your lands to make black mana. So you'd replace them with literal basic swamp? Yeah, I think so. Or or at least, like, I would cut one for sure, and then I activated Abby twice. Once it ended a mirror, uh, like, a two turns sooner or whatever, which maybe that wasn't even relevant. And then the other time was uh, against Mark Tobias in the Swiss, where he just chumped it with Whirler Virtuoso for six turns, and I died. Didn't you, like, gain a bunch of life? Oh, I did, but he, he had, so... He had, a tr- he had a tracker, and then he had two trackers, and then just every turn he drew four cards and made three energy and blocked my thing. So mm. <laughs> I can see how that can be problematic. <laughs> it's like, well, if I'm, if I'm going to lose this game anyway, like, what is this card doing, you know? Yeah, so, I, was, I was certainly never felt threatened by Westvale Abbey, and at least once, maybe twice, my opponent was mana screwed by it, so. Yep. Declaration in Stone and Anguish on Making are great, for sure, but I don't know. Like, I, I definitely would not want to splash, like, the, the white one drops, or the white two drops, I mean. Yeah, yeah I so. definitely I definitely love the uh, blowing on your guys, <laughs> just, like, giving him a little, the tapping. That means tapping, yeah. right? Just yeah. a little just a little wind their direction with the blind, what, what, what's it called, blinding mummy? Binding. Binding mummy. So yeah, like Amonkhet is actually called uh, the black hole for me. It's like where you come into the building and then you haven't worked on that set and you kind of just like only know the uncommons and up. Yeah. So like a lot of the a lot of the commons are kind of foreign to me. Yeah, that was Theros block for me. Right. Well, that's that's all I really had regarding um, your guys' tournament. It, lo- it looked like a bunch of fun to play in, and I'm always rooting for you guys. No, it was it was great, man. Like, how was your experience? Because this was this was your first time on the floor as you know a Watsi representative, right? Yeah. So how'd that go? It was sweet. I uh, I had my Watsi gear. It was oh, I mean, it Dude, looks so I love the cardigan. Good. God, I want Ma- Majors, Majors needs a cardigan, man, for sure. Well, 
I don't know. You have to be hashtag Watsy staff and you need to go to a hashtag Watsy event and then mm-hmm. they'll like get it for you. Can you not wear Watsy cardigans except for when you're representing the company at an event? Um, I'll have to check the rules, but uh, I do intend on rocking it at work occasionally because it looks great. Dude, the cardigan is real fly. Love it. But yeah, um, when it comes to magic, it was always just about like the community and my friends. To me, it wasn't really... It was initially about like being the best and trying my hardest and seeing if I could succeed. But like once I got to the space where it was like, oh, I just get to see a lot of the same cool people. I get to hang out with all these awesome people. It became more about the community and just me growing as a person with my friends rather than playing. So like even though I wasn't spell slinging or like playing a bunch this weekend, like it was really rewarding just to see like see all my friends again, see you guys do really well. And, you know, it was just... A plus weekend for me. That's cool, man. Glad to hear it. I, that was going to be my next question. Was like, did you miss playing? Like, it was there some part of you where you're just like, oh man, I wish I was in the pro tour, like <laughs> attacking with zombies or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some of that. Like, I only have one regret coming to Wizards, and like, it is knowing if if I had like played out my platinum season like on full blast, like could I have done it again? Yeah, but that's it. I, I I'm frozen in ice. I thought your one regret to coming to Wizards was the fact that it rains a lot here. It does rain a lot. Oh, gosh. Dude, coming from SoCal up to here, it's... Plus, like, there's a there's a Walmart two blocks away from me, and then there's, like, a Walmart clone half a block away from me. It's really distorting. And, like, I'm used to, like, just wall-to-wall, like, small business and, like, authentic restaurants, and there's just, like, mono Denny's here, and it's really weird. Yeah, whatever. I love it. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you love it. Still getting used to it, but it's a good place to call your home. Well, Mr. Brown, what's next for you, man? Where are you, where are you going to be? Like, what's the next thing that they're sending you to? I will be attending Grand Prix Las Vegas. Cool. Both of you guys are going, right? Uh, thank you. I ahead. want to go. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to go there. You know, it's a it's a good opportunity to see a lot of Magic players, talk to a lot of Magic players. You know, if they have questions for me, I'd be be happy to answer them. And uh, you know, it's just. I really want to be able to be like more accessible within the community, like ask me stuff because we uh, we really appreciate feedback and I love just, again, it's like, it's not about magic for me. It's about like the people. So like the more I can talk to players and like get feedback on how to, how does that inform how I do my job is like really rewarding for me. Yeah, I definitely so, appreciate the increased level of visibility. It's It's awesome. Going to Vegas, going to Kyoto, beyond that, I'm not sure. Yeah, if there's like any GP, like reasonable drive, fly, I'll definitely be there. Yeah, so like Portland, Vancouver, you're probably going to try and go to all the pro tours that you can. Yeah. Stuff like that, so you'll be around. I'll be around. Yeah, I mean, that's a reasonable frequency of events to wear the cardigan, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it would be sad if it just sat in a closet, you know? That's what I'm screaming, yeah. man. Oh man, I'm I'm so excited for the fall set. I worked a lot on it, and ah, just can't wait. Can't wait to see your guys' reaction to it. Yeah, it's like yeah, your man, first just, baby, right? Yeah, it's 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 actually my first baby. I'm I'm super stoked. Well, we got to get through Hour of Devastation first, right? Right. I did get to touch some amount of cards from Hour of Devastation, so you might see a little a uh, little Andrew Twing on some things. That's cool, man. I've said this before, but that's the best part. Having something that you worked on, something that you helped create come out and seeing people's reactions to it and show off like these very powerful emotional responses and stuff like that is the best part by far. Yeah, I just I I can't wait. I'm stoked. 
Well, Majors, where does this put you at pro points wise? I haven't even looked. Uh, I don't know. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Jerry, where does this uh, where does this put you at points wise? <laughs> Irrelevant. I don't know. Uh, so I, I think I have fifty four. The website says fifty one, but I think they're missing one of my GP twelve and threes. So the relevant stuff for me is that I'm in second place for like uh, U.S. captain thing. And oh, I'm in, like, I'm in like fifth or sixth for like player of the year. But like, how the hell am I going to catch Marcio? Like that sort of thing. Do you want to be the captain for the United States of America? I don't know. That's that's like the thing that I have to figure out because I have one GP slot that's open, and then the rest are threes or up. And the person I am racing with right now, like, Reed is above me, and then I'm, like, tied with Owen or something. So it's, like, I would have to get a GP finish that's reasonable and do better than both of them at the next Pro Tour, which seems incredibly difficult, but... If you committed to trying to be in range, I would actually try to queue for National, or, you know, queue for the World Magic Cup. Oh, that'd be gas. Dude, that's maybe how we get to work together. Maybe. Ooh, maybe I'll go. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I'll attend. (laughs) I'll start there. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm generally like on the you know maybe maybe not try so hard and just kind of chill because it really hurts to try and then fail you know oh I know all about that life baby <laughs> yeah so, I don't know I looked at it and it was like yeah I'm I'm probably not gonna worry about this too much but yeah I mean being locked for platinum and everything and it seems like catching Marcio is is kind of impossible like I would basically just have to win the last pro tour which at that point it's like who cares I'd already be on top of the world so it's it's really low opportunity cost to try and like fill that last GP slot though and then just like focus on the pro tour so I will probably go to something Las Vegas and uh there was something else that I was looking at some other Grand Prix where it's like ah, these are these are probably ones that I I wouldn't mind going to, so... I mean, Las Vegas just seems like it'll be a ton of fun. Vegas is certainly a good bang for your buck as far as appearance fees. Well, is it like per Grand Prix or what? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think you get up to six, right? So, oh, but you have to play three rounds. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, the yeah. rule is. <laughs> yeah, see, see, there's all this stuff that was not relevant to me, and I had heard about it, and it was just like, it was so far off that it's like, why would I even care about this? I mean, basically, yeah, you'll get 500 for showing up. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> What a time to be alive. <laughs> Dude, I know. So, uh, is, is that game? I mean, I, I think you should send us off and, and do a little bit more proper. Yeah, oh. I agree, man. All right. Well, that's game! Good luck.